And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. I think that's it. I don't know. I I think that was the best one I've done. Play it back and make sure we got it. Okay. Hey, Joe, I'm hearing a little hiss on this. What's... You hear that too? I can't... I'm just hearing my voice. I'm just kind of focusing on this stuff. What's Mm. up? Does it sound weird? I don't know. I hear like a small aircraft in there or something. Oh, man. For the last two takes, I've had this fan on because it got hot in here. They were good takes. We got to figure something out. (laughs) Let's throw this in the isotope, see if we can fix it with the old spectral denoise. Yeah, let's do it. It's a let's quick fix. It. Let me know if it works. All right, let's try it out and see how it sounds. Cool. One sec. Jeez, I hope it works. All right, Joe, here's that last bit again after the spectral denoise. What do you think now? Whoa. Are you sure I had the fan on? Takes good. Okay. Noise is gone. Thank you, isotope. Thank you, Chris. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Isotope, for helping us with tour stories and all the ruinous podcasts. To learn more, visit isotope.com slash ruinous. To get 10% off their software, enter code R-U-I-N-1-0, RUIN10. Now get into this episode. Hello? Dan? Who's this? Joe Plummer. What's up, man? Hey, uh, sorry to bother you so many times. I was wondering if I could get a tour story for my podcast from you. Oh, uh, yeah, I think you mentioned your podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did. It's pretty fun. Is it? Yeah. Have uh, you listened to it? No. No, no. Oh. 
Anyways, yeah, uh, just wondering if I could get a story from you um, now, or I guess if you want to schedule one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to do that. Do you want me to put you in touch with uh, our agent? We can talk finance. A agent. Uh, fine. Yeah, sure. But what do you mean? I mean, uh, look, I've known you for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. we haven't always been friends, but yeah, you know, we've been around each other a lot. And uh, I think, you know, in order to keep our relationship intact, uh, we should just let put this in the lawyer's hands. You know, <laughs> it's not that big of a deal, but. Um... I just don't like dealing. I mean, you should have gone through my agent. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Text me the agent's contact or whatever I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'll 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 email. But I mean, geez, Joe, how long have you been doing this? I don't know. Uh, Shit. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well. Yeah. You got to get better. You got to get better at this, man. Okay. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, thanks. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey! Dan Gallucci is a producer, songwriter, musician, and engineer. He's played with Modest Mouse, the Murder City Devils, and the Cold War Kids, to name a few. In this episode, Dan tells us how much fun it was for the Murder City Devils to open for Pearl Jam on the Shed Tour. Hijinks ensue. From Ruinous Media, this is Tour Stories. So, Murder City Devils, this was 1998. We had been a band for two years, and we had done some Murder City Devils tours that, that were really long and, you know, difficult in some ways. And we were actually on one. And we knew before it that we had three shows with Pearl Jam. And it was like a really big deal. And I think that people who don't know Eddie or anyone from Pearl Jam, including their crew, have a very different idea of like who they are. Like Eddie is a really fun, super nice, weird, kind of bratty, <laughs> but like fun bratty um, yeah. guy, right? So we were doing this, these shows with them in the middle of the tour. The rest of the tour was a normal tour. You know, at that point, we were probably playing to, you know, roughly 200-ish people a night. And we're feeling pretty good, but we were hot and tired. It was in the middle of the summer. I think it was July. And we went to, like, we showed up at, at the first show. The first two shows were in Sheds. The third show was at the, I think it was called Reunion Arena at the time. I can't remember, but it was Dallas. And it was where the uh, Mavericks played and all that. So we showed up to that. We met them. They were really nice. Mike McCready was playing Ain't Talking About Love during the sound check as we walked in. And I asked him if he would teach me. And he immediately took me back to his dressing room and taught me how to play Ain't Talking About Love which was really, really, really exciting because I love that song so much. But they were kind of like, you know, these guys are goofy. Like, they knew immediately, we're goofy, so we're game. We're nice. We're not mean. We're not snobby. We're just kind of funny, goofy kids. 
And we were in our van that was basically, it, it was an old ambulance and um, like a kind of 70s. I don't remember the exact year Gabe would know, um, but it was, a, it, was a, it was called the Vambulance. But that was mostly because Modest Mouse had a van called the Mansion and Gabe was just absolutely determined that we would not, not have a better van with a better van name. And so that could be argued between Isaac and Gabe and they've done it a million times. And so that's fine. So we show up to the first show, we play. And while we're playing at that first show, Spencer says something about Eddie. He makes up some story about him, like why Eddie had asked us to come on tour or Eddie's really full of shit because like he doesn't really, you know, he's not really down in some way or something like that. And Eddie comes out on the stage that night, the very first night, and he comes up to spit. He's like, I see him because I he's opposite me Damn. on the side yeah. of the stage. And I'm like, okay. Um, and really, we hadn't <laughs> met them then. Like, we once we had met them on this tour, then we really started hanging out with them more in Seattle and all that. But we hadn't really met them yet. Um, so I'm looking at him over there, and I'm like, well, you know, I guess – Spencer's probably just pissing him off and what, who cares? Like, whatever, like what's the worst that happens if they, if we get thrown off these shows, which was a lot. And I was incapable of realizing that in the moment because it was (laughs) the more, most money it was basically paying for this tour. And then the following two, you know, it was like a lot of money. So he comes on stage and he's like, I've been, he puts his arm around Spencer Spencer's scared shitless, which I've known Spencer since he was 15. And I have only seen this look on his face a few times. And he was just like in shock. He couldn't believe the idea that Eddie might have actually been watching us play. Like that was just the, any of the band I would like that we weren't considering at all because we had played a bunch of shows opening for other bands and clubs and stuff. And they didn't watch it. Like no one watched us play. Yeah. So Anyway, so he comes on stage and he's like, I want you to, I want everyone here to know all 1,500 of you in a 20,000 seat venue. I want you all to know that this man is a liar. I have never spoken to him in my life. I don't even know who these people are. No. I don't know why. And he just like goes off, right? And of course, the, the crowd that's actually there somehow watching us play, they're like in heaven because he's there and what a treat to yeah. see Eddie before the show and all that. So anyways, after that, we'd be kind of, we, he was joking and he, he like, you know, and he kind of sent us off to the next song and it was all in fun. And after that, we talked to them even more, you know, and I remember talking to Mike McCready and I was like, so what time's bus call for you guys? And he was like, uh-uh, no, we don't do that. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we fly to every show and i was like just oh from like city to city and he's like no we have a home base in chicago and we fly out from chicago and then back to chicago (laughs) for the shows so i asked him to like describe you know like what the plane was like and stuff and he did and the thing is when you're on tour like that you don't want to like if someone's going to talk about their plane you don't want them to then become like, you know, oh, it's no big deal. You know, fuck it. 
Like we, so we have yeah, plane. You know, I mean, we're still the same people. We always were. Yeah, no, no, fuck that. Tell me about the plane, man. What's on the plane? And he's like, tell me. Oh yeah, yeah. I can just get to lay out, and I've got all the. Like, oh, I love it. I love it. So then we play another show. I think I'm almost positive it was in St. Louis the next night, a shed outdoor stadium, which is about 20,000 people or so. And again, no one really watches us. That's what happens, you know, and it's not a big deal. We expected it. And um, after that show, we were walking out of the complex to the back where the buses were parked and our van ambulance was parked. And, um, we were like noticing that they had a wall of photos, you know, like, so they have the people who had played there before. And we saw one of um, Richie Sambora and he wasn't even our first pick, you know, I mean, along that wall were some pretty amazing, like, you know, I'm just like Neil Young and different people like that. As we were walking out, the drummer, Matt was walking out too. <laughs> And he was like, he was like, kind of like, he kind of walked up and was like, yeah, what do you think? You know, or like started kind of chiming in with us as we were talking about the different people on the wall. So we're all kind of walking out and everyone's being cool, talking about how stupid everyone on the wall was basically. And we get to Richie Sambora and he's like, do you want that one? And we were like, what do you mean? He's like, do you want that picture? And I was like, well, I mean, it's, it's it's like nailed to the wall. I mean, like it's not just hung up. And um, he was like, calls over and was like, "These guys want that. Can we get that for them?" And he wasn't a dick about it either. He actually asked. He was yeah. like, "Is there a way to make this happen for these guys?" So there is discussion in the hallway and blah blah blah. Somehow against everything that I could have imagined possible to take place, this person came over and, and literally like, like unscrewed it from the wall and handed it to us because Matt was there and said <laughs> that, you know, and we walked out with it. Please tell me it took a half hour for all of this. To oh, it took a weird amount of time. <laughs> like, like the amount of time where you're like, not only is this uncomfortable now, but God, I kind of just want to leave. Like I want to leave. Like I don't really care that much, you know, no about this picture. Yeah. No one cares. We decide that, you know, whatever we're going to, of course we're going to stay there and take it. How could you not stay there and take it? So, you know, he went out of his way to make someone feel uncomfortable so that we could have a Richie Sambora picture and we're going to take that picture. So we're driving down the highway and we're all wasted and thinking we're super cool because not only did we open for Pearl Jam, which was not necessarily what something we would have considered cool, but we did it our way. You know, we were like, yeah. fucking, it's dorks, just 
fucking rolling pile of dorks in an ambulance. <laughs> and we also had some coke because we knew this doctor who lived in um, Austin. And he would open our restaurant, his restaurant. He had a, he owned a Thai restaurant in, in Austin that was actually really fancy and nice. And for the first time we went in, <laughs> the first time we went into his restaurant, he came up to us as one of the, as like the owner of this restaurant. And he was like, so I noticed that you guys look a little weird and that you've only ordered like rice and um, peanut sauce for everyone. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, are you in a band or something? And we were like, yes, yes. This is our very first tour. We were so, we had nothing and we were so desperate for food and anything and that not that i mean look we could go to the store and get a can of corn or something you know which is what i yeah like, literally but this was at a restaurant you know blah, blah, blah. so and he let us stay at his house that night and he showed us around austin it was our first time and then we had come through with at the drive-in and we had these like he would he would take us into the restaurant after our show and we'd like there'd be like 15 people at this long table that he had set up with candles and he would make us whatever food we wanted and gave us drinks and all that i mean it was just like for one night on tour you were in the lap of luxury right so this guy i'm pretty sure it was him that had given us a bunch of coke but it could have been anyone because that's what people do when you're in a band if they have it yeah so we're back in the back of the van, rolling along, snorting lines of coke off of Richie Sambora's picture that we had, because that's the only way to make sense of this and do it properly. The next day we had a show wish I could remember the town, but it was somewhere between St. Louis and Dallas, which was the following show with Pearl Jam. And the last show was our third and last show with Pearl Jam. So we have a show in this town and we drive up to the town and we get to the address given to us, right? Not, this is pre-cell phones, at least for us. Gabe might have had one, but certainly band members didn't. We were still using maps mm -hmm. and all that. So we show up to this guy's house and there's this long gravel road and we get to kind of the front of the house and there's all these dogs chasing us and barking and stuff. And then we stop and we won't get out because the dogs are chasing us and barking. And there's a guy rolls up on a uh, golf cart and he's like, who are you looking for? Why are you here? Why on earth would this gaggle of nerds be in my gravel driveway and we were like well we're looking for so-and-so and he's like that's my son and we were like okay he, well we're supposed to do a show you know we're, we're a band and we're supposed to do a show and he's like all right okay he's doing this downtown you gotta go here and here and here so we go here and here and here and we get there and there's a park in the middle of this teeny little town very off the highway and we look out and we can see these kids and they're kind of fumbling around with a shitty PA system. There's not a soul there except for three kids trying to set this thing up. And we're late, you know. And so we know that there's a – and yeah. it was in a little circle in the town, like a little park in the middle of 
of these roads. So we drove and Gabe was like, and at that time we wouldn't have missed a show for anything. Like we would, we would show up if there was one person there and we'd try to, you know, that story you do, you show up, you play regardless. And we took one look at this thing and we're kind of, it's it's almost like, (laughs) it's almost like a roundabout. So, (laughs) so we're driving (laughs) and we're like, so you can see it at all angles. And then by the time we get to the backside of it, we're like, just drive, just fucking drive. We don't need anything to do with this at all. This has nothing for us right here. And that poor three kids, two of which may have cared, one of which probably did, and the other, I don't know, but we're like, ah, bummer. Um, or maybe they were like, fuck, thank God they didn't show up. There's no one here or whatever. Who knows? But we just kept on driving. So <laughs> what that meant was that we were going to get to we, <laughs> Dallas, our last show, early. So we drive to Dallas and we get there at like probably one in the morning or something like that. And we stop somewhere outside of the probably the parking lot of Reunion Arena or whatever. I think that's what it's called. And we're laying on the ground and we did coke, of course, that night off Richie Sambora too. And just like, you know, blew out everything that we possibly had. And we were spent and had nothing and shouldn't have been alive. And we're just like laying on the ground, (laughs) literally like three. I remember waking up because I was in the van that night. I remember waking up and there were like literally three people just on the ground (laughs) of the parking lot. And I'm like, Jesus. And so the we most get up. comfortable spot is the ground. Yeah. And it was hot. And it was like, but so we get up and we're like, okay, well, uh, there's breakfast. There's breakfast. Yeah. Catering. Because the crew gets breakfast. The crew has to show up early and they get breakfast. So we're going to go. So we wander. We don't even have a parking pass. We're not even on the grounds <laughs> officially yet, you know? And then we get in and we're like, so then we eat breakfast. Somehow we get in. Gabe, Gabe again, of course. Anytime there's a hole in the story, it's just like, well, Gabe, and then, you know, whatever we got in. So we we go in, and we're just like, fucking Jesus, man, we are spent. Like, the, we looked like DeWitt dad saying, a cigarette burn on a couch. Like one, the DeWitt's dad once said to us, you, what'd you do to my kid? He looks like a cigarette burn on a couch. And that's what we looked like. And we scraggle in and whatever. And then we're just there all day, all fucking day. You know, yeah. we're like somehow someone is nice enough to open a door for us. There's nothing in the room, but God, it's air conditioned and whatever else. So as the night's starting to wear on, we're getting closer to the show and Eddie, we're all hanging out in our room. We had taken a giant, like, not giant, but just, you know, like an upright mirror down and put it on our table and put Coke. I don't know how we got this much. Co- I, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't think we ever got that much Coke ever again. Yeah. And it wasn't like a regular thing. Like, we didn't do that all the time, mostly because we didn't have the opportunity to do it all the time. So we were really taking advantage of this one um in the back of an arena so then we set out like a gigantic long line of coke right and we're like okay we're leaving blah, 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 blah. and the reasonable people in the band like derek probably didn't do any and the rest of us were nerds and we did as much as we could so <laughs> we're back there doing that sort of shit 
waiting for 12 beers to show up that, you know, just like whatever. And Eddie, Eddie walks into the room and he goes, so, uh, you guys are like a punk band or whatever. And keeping in mind at this point, we've already actually had real conversations with him. So him lapsing back into character somehow as someone who's like, you know, looking down upon us, like was <laughs> a joke. Right. And so we were like, yeah, what yeah. do you mean? Like, what are you actually talking about Eddie? And he was like, look, so we're going to do Sonic Reducer and uh, we want you guys to, to do it with us tonight. And we were like, well, like as a full band. And he's like, no, Dan, Spencer, you guys are doing it with us tonight. So you know the song, right? And we're like, fuck. I mean, yeah, yes. we listened to it. We listened to it, but I've never played it. Uh, but I know it's easy. It's not, it, it can't be hard. So we sit and I, my parts are so easy. And so I learn them really quick. Anyone could learn them really quick. Spencer has to actually memorize all the words, which he's never done before. And it's not something he's into. So he's back there like cramming, like trying to like listen and all this stuff. And I'm like, God, I have no idea how this is going to go. And we get up and play. So this is what we know. We know that we have to play. It's our last show with them. We know that we're going to get off stage. They're going to play. And then for their encore, the very last song they play, like their third encore or whatever it may have been for them. Yeah. The very last encore, we are going to do Sonic Reducer with them. So we get done playing and we're walking through the arena hallways back to our backstage. And as we're walking, we see this guy who's really tall and he has some friends and they're kind of in a group and they're walking along. And then we were like, Oh my God, that is Dennis Rodman. So I was watching the Michael Jordan documentary or whatever. So they talk about that year, that 98 year. Yeah. And when he would leave. Right. That was when he like went to Vegas for a couple days uh, in the middle of the season and then came back and all that. So this was about a month after they won the series finals. So if you were to say make a part B, you know, or or add one more episode, it could have been, you know, a month later him at yeah. his Pearl Jam show. So he's a big fan and all that. So we see anyways, we see him and we're like, what the fuck? Like, because we didn't know back then. You didn't know that Dennis Rodman was a Pearl Jam fan. Like, you couldn't know that. Oh, There's no yeah. like social media to tell you that. So, like, how would you know? So we're like, what the fuck? Like, that is awesome. That's so amazing. He was so famous at the time. Then we go back into our room and we're like, what did we just see? And blah blah blah. And then I went out to try and get another beer out of the hallway. And then me and Spencer were like, let's just start opening doors to rooms and see what happens. You know, just like dorks, just dorks, just yeah. given keys. You know. Yeah. And I ended up walking into a room, and when I walked in, there's nothing in the room except for two folding chairs and Eddie Vedder sitting in one of them and Dennis Rodman sitting in the other one. And they were clearly engaged in a heart to heart, right? There was something serious happening. And I, and they both looked at me and I shut the door and I left and I was like, this is fucking weird. And then Pearl Jam plays. And when they're ready for their encore, I'm like, 
I don't even know where my guitar is and blah, 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 blah. It turns out their crew had somehow gotten a hold of my guitar and tuned it and all that stuff. And I went out, so we go back, we are, we're on stage and instead of the 1500 people in a 20,000 capacity venue that we're used to, there's 20,000 people and everyone's standing up and freaking the fuck out. And they're showing the lights around the room so you can see everything, it's just nuts. And I was next to Stone. And Stone was like, you got this? And I was like, sure. And everyone's screaming and, you know, whatever. And, and then I walked up to Matt because I just wanted to hear when the drum count off would be. And he was like, all right, you got this? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, he said something like, I can't remember what the, the key of the song is, but he's like, okay, on four, you know, like, like C minor, blah, 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 or whatever. And I'm like, all right. Uh, I don't know what that means or you know whatever and then he counts it off when we play and it's super fun and it's kind of this epic thing where we extended the song Eddie and Spencer ended up Spencer by the way sang it perfectly <laughs> remembered every single word was not thrown off by any changes just nailed it 100% and there is a point where they both climbed up on giant PA stacks on either side of the stage and started singing back and forth to each other like Sonic Reduce, Ain't No Lose, you know, like, and it was just this like ultimate rock moment for us at that time. And now it is still now the ultimate rock moment for me at this time. We're done. Everyone's finally out. We're walking backstage uh, and we get to the back and we're looking for the bottle of Jägermeister that Gabe said he had ordered for us at that time, like from someone, you know, like not yeah. ordered, but asked for, and they were kind yeah. enough to give us one. And um, so Gabe found our Jägermeister. Dennis Rodman comes walking by us and takes it out of Gabe's hand and then keeps walking. And so we were like, whoa, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> and he's like, and he walks straight over to him and he goes, that's our Jägermeister and we need it. Like we don't, yeah. that's, we don't have Jägermeister to spare or whatever. <laughs> so gross to think about now, like drinking Jägermeister in the way that we did. Anyways, he's like, well, I'll drink you for it. And Gabe was like, okay. And so then we all got in a little circle around Dennis Rodman and Gabe starts and he pulls a quarter of the bottle easily, like just gross. Like I could have thrown up at that moment. Then we all kind of go around and we drink as much as we can. It's not even close to Gabe and we kind of think he's got it in the bag or whatever. And then it gets to Dennis Rodman and he drains like half the bottle because Gabe kind of had a quarter. We had like, I don't know. 5% more and then Dennis got it down like and it was frightening actually I'd never seen anyone drink like that before ever in yeah. my life and we were we knew a lot of big drinkers you know um, but yeah and then from that moment on everyone was friends and we took a bunch of pictures and everyone was just drinking and there was various other little drinking contests happening and all that <laughs> stuff and it was the awesomest thing to do with Pearl Jam ever until hey! we're in this hotel and there's like five different rooms 
where there's a party happening. And then a knock came on the door and it was obviously going to be security and everyone got quiet. And Eddie was like, I'm going to take care of this. And so there's a knock on the door and he opens it. He's like, um, yes, sir, what can I do for you? And he, and the security guard is just like, oh, he recognizes him and everything else. And it, it was just hilarious because basically Eddie just made it so that we could party in that hotel as loudly as we possibly wanted to for as long as we wanted to. Anyways, that's our Pearl Jam story. And the thing is, is I've never not had fun whenever I've been around Eddie Vedder. He's always sweet and super fun. Thanks to Dan for the story. Go to ruinousmedia.com to hear more stories from the road. And don't forget to check out our weekly companion podcast, The Check-In. All at ruinousmedia.com slash tour stores.